Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. Your father lost his job. What? You can't tell your brother. Hey, Charlie, buddy. You already up? Yeah, I'm waiting for this butterfly to break out of his cocoon. It's been so long. Today has to be the day, don't you think? I don't know. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. And we are back. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of The Struggle is Real. I am Omar Ramos, joined by Veronica Avila and Dr. Alicia Leos. Hello, team. Hello. Hello. Um, we're doing well. Really ready to tackle another important topic yes, here. Yes, 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 yes. Right. I'm doing well myself and ready to learn from today's topic, which is breaking bad news to your kids. Mm. Now, lucky for us, we have two experts that will help us navigate through this process. Super excited. That's right. Joining us on the phone is Dr. Cheryl Ziegler, Doctor of Psychology. She's founder and operator at the Child and Family Therapy Center at Laurie. She's been featured on the New York Times, Washington Post, and other media outlets. Welcome once again to The Struggle is Real, Dr. Ziegler. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Now, before we begin, have you ever had to deliver, this is a question for everybody, have you ever had to deliver bad news to your kids? And how was that experience for you? Mm. Dr. Alicia? Sure. I mean, I when my father passed away, my four-year-old, I did have to tell him at that point. And at that point, he was at the why stage, so he just peppered us with questions mm-hmm. and was very curious about it. That was a, a difficult one, but he took it remarkably well. I think children are very resilient and... Sometimes we don't give it as much credit as they. That's true. I'm sure it also helped the way that you and your husband navigated through that process. Mm-hmm. Yep. Veronica? Me, yes. Actually, ah, the first time that I had to deliver bad news was to my daughter, Valentina, when she was six years old. We were expecting another baby, and we had a miscarriage. Mm. And she was really excited. I had never experienced, or anybody, I didn't know of anybody in my family having a miscarriage. One of those taboo subjects that then you find out that there were before. But at that point, I wasn't really sure how to how to deliver the news because she was six. She was so excited. And so we went ahead and delivered it through our faith. So we said, now, Diosito, Diosito, we said, Diosito, for God. Diosito needed an angel. And he called our angel but we will continue to see if he can bless us in the future. And, of course, she cried and she looked at us. And then she would pray every every night, talking mm-hmm. to her sister or brother that, that never made it to earth. But that was quite an experience for me because it was one of those things that you have to tackle and you don't know how. Wow. But it went well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank, thank you God. so much for sharing that. You, Omar? Well, the one that pops into my head right away is a situation that I went through with my daughter. She's a huge dog lover, and she's into, at a very young age, she's into, like, wanting to be a rescue dog mommy, right? So we got her this dog, who she named Spots right away. This dog was already, like, a year old, a little bit out of control, and caused a lot of mayhem, Mm -hmm. a lot, inside the house, outside the house, and just became a just a negative situation. The dog was out of control, so we had to sit her down and talk to her about having to return spots. And it was a very difficult situation because I knew how much in love my daughter was with the dog and all that good stuff. You know, kids get attached to animals, like, strongly. Mm-hmm. Well, she broke down. She broke down. She just could not understand that that was going on and why and that she would be, she would do everything possible to make the dog's habits change. But at the end of the day, we had to return the dog. So it was difficult to see her suffering, me having to bear that news to her. So 
So that would probably be the the top thing that I've had to do within like the last year that was difficult to convey that information to my daughter. So that would probably be the top one right now at this time. Wow. And you, Dr. Ziegler? Yeah, I, I've been listening to your stories. And really, one of mine is also a pet one. We went away and our heater went out. And so we were gone for probably four or five days and there was no heat in the middle of the winter. So when we came back, we had two frogs and hamster that literally froze to death. Wow. So we, we walk into the house and it's freezing and I'm not, you know, I'm thinking about pipes bursting. I'm not thinking. And then my husband looked at me and he said, oh my God, that hamster would not have survived this. And I'm like, no. So my daughter and I go upstairs and he, you know, just looks like nestled in. And so she's like, no, he's fine. He's fine. He's just sleeping. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So it was like almost bringing her to her senses. And so it was a terrible oh. role. I wasn't just delivering the news, but she wouldn't believe it. Yeah. And that was honestly, it was awful. It was mm. awful. So um, along the lines of a pet too, that just having to tell the kids, yes, all three of our little pets died. Wow. Because the heat went out. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, Very unfortunate. Wow. Well, yes. This whole process, I'm sure the parents that are listening to us with the different situations that they might encounter, might encounter in the future, hopefully both you, Dr. Laos and Dr. Sigler will help us learn a process on how to deal with or how to help kids deal with their emotions in this whole process. Now, whether it's delivering the news of the passing of their beloved pet, as we heard, or moving to a new town, that's another one, loss of a family member, the truth is we need to help our kids recognize and process their emotions. Why don't we go listen, go ahead and Listen to our first sketch. This is called Cake. Whitney, it's good to see you. What can I do for you today? Huh? Where are the youngins? Hi, Maxie. You look blue. I hope we're going to be fixed that for you. Maybe. Now, what can I get it for you? I'm here for a cake. Oh, a cake. So there's an occasion. Something like that, yeah. Well, we have a chocolate cake with a hazelnut praline filling, light and decadent. Eh? Over here, there's a chocolate cake with a raspberry filling and a chocolate ganache glaze. Eh? Simply sinful. Then, we have a more simple affair. Eh? Vanilla and a strawberry. Eh? A lemon cake. Hmm, I'll get the chocolate ganache. Great. And would you like me to personalize it with a note on the top? I was hoping you'd offer. Is it uh, happy birthday or thank you or maybe congrats on the anniversary, eh? We're moving to Indiana. Oh, you're moving? We're moving. Me and my kids. Did you get a new job? Quite the opposite. I got laid off today. We can't afford our apartment anymore, so we've got to move. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, why Indiana? Because my mom and dad live in Indiana, and they've offered to put us up while we're figuring stuff out. Oh, well, that'll be nice, huh? To share more time with family? Not really. My mom's going through her later years, and not in the best of shape, mentally. Okay. You think I should put that on the cake? I'm not sure about this cake. Why? Your cakes are great. Well, yeah, but uh, the cakes are really for uh, happy news. It can't be all happy news. It's pretty much always a happy news. Well, I'll be the first sad news on a cake. Yay! I'm a pioneer. Are your kids going to be all right with the move? Of course not. No, all their friends are here. They're both in sports. It's not going to go over well. Are you sure a, a, the cake is the best way to tell them? Yeah, because they're going to hate it. 
But at least I'll get cake. Yay! Doesn't that seem a little uh, inappropriate? Sometimes you just gotta pull off the band-aid, Maxie. You're sure about the chocolate ganache? It might be more of an anniversary cake. Huh? I'll take the vanilla strawberry then. But honestly, any cake would do. They're going to be so disappointed. Anything's going to work great. Okay, well, I'll go right to your message. Thanks, Maxie. Hey, I was thinking about the writing. I'm going to do it, Maxie. You can't talk me out of it. No, no, no. That's not it. Look, I mean, why not put it on a two cakes, huh? We're moving to and Indiana on another cake. Uh, I don't know. I don't really have money oh, no, for No, 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 no. The second one is on me, huh? And the first one's half off. I, I really appreciate that. I go right it now, huh? And I'll use uh, the pink frosting, too. It's uh, the tastiest. Okay, so we're back, and we heard Whitney ordering a cake to deliver the news to her kids that they are moving to her parents in Indiana because, unfortunately, she was laid off. Maxie wasn't sure about making the cakes, but at the end, he gives in, trying to make the delivery of the news smoother by having two cakes. Dr. Alicia, what's happening with Whitney here? Well, she's trying to figure out the best way to deliver the sad news. And trying to sweeten it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, yeah, she went for the cake, but I, you got to give it to her. She's just trying to create a memorable moment, I guess. Make it not so bad. Not maybe. so bad. I mean, um, I think as parents, sometimes we we just try to figure out different ways. We she knows she's got something that her kids are not going to enjoy, so she's just trying to create some comfort around it, I guess. Hmm. Now, Dr. Siegler, how important is it? to first process our own emotions before delivering bad news to our kids. Yeah, in an ideal situation, you have the opportunity to process your own emotion. Mm. But a lot of times when you're telling kids bad news, that emotion comes back anyway. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we often do as parents is we try to mask our own feelings or we try to ask, you know, braver or tougher about it which actually isn't the best approach. You want to ha be able to show some emotion. You want to be able to show that you're sad, you're disappointed, or you're crying, because then it gives your kids that permission to express their own feelings. So kind of a balance, as much of a balance in that way, is really usually the best way to deliver tough news. Great. I would also like to ask uh, Dr. Alicia, what specific things should parents take into consideration before spreading the uh, bad news or news about a change? or a big change in their lives? I mean, how, how do you set the, the, the base or the scenario? Well, I mean, maybe understanding, having as much information as possible so that you're ready to answer some of the questions mm -hmm. that may come their way to the extent that you're able to answer those questions. I know sometimes you don't have all the answers, but being able to do that and, and not holding back. I know sometimes as parents, we want to protect our kids and mm -hmm. we may just hesitate from telling them ABC, but then it just gets very convoluted later on. Go ahead and just let them know and let them in and go ahead and break the news and mm -hmm. and do that, you know, with a considerable amount of time. Yeah. You don't want to tell them so ahead of the game that then there's so much anxiety that they're just anticipating it for days and days and days and, you know, becomes this crazy stress for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I think timing is also important to kind of think about the timing. Mm -hmm. And I would think also age appropriateness, maybe. Yeah. You have to, it's different how you would deliver the news to a little kid than you, how you would deliver it to a teenager or, or a young adult. Right? Yeah, and again, it depends on whether the news is something that's sudden and a crisis that you just all run into at the moment mm -hmm. versus something that you know ahead of the game and you have more time to process it. Like maybe you know that the move is not happening until three months. Mm -hmm. 
there's just so much variability in terms of circumstances, situations, and they may be. Right. Bottom line is, do tell them the truth, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we go into our next scenario? That's what's really going on. Okay, here we go. Have a good day. I don't want to go. Come on, Tiff. Don't make me late. I have to be at work in 19 minutes and it's 20 minutes away. Well, then you're already late. Can you not talk to me ever? We're talking now. We'll talk at dinner. Your lunch is in your backpack. Don't buy anything with that $5 I gave you. That's for emergencies only. I love you. I feel like an idiot. I don't want to go. What's wrong? Talk to me. Quick. I don't want to start a new school in the middle of November where I don't know anybody. They're going to think I flunked or got kicked out or something. It doesn't matter what other people think. I know. that That's not what I mean. I, I just want to stay with my old friends and my old teachers. You'll make new friends. You always do. Why do I have to do this? Because we moved and now we're in a new school district. I've told you that. But really, the first step is always the hardest. By next month, you'll be comfortable here. January at the latest, right? Unless you pull me out and we move again. Tiffany, I really can't be late for work, all right? Then answer my question. You're the only one making yourself late, deflecting and being all vague. You are starting a new school because we moved and you have to go to school and this is how public school works. I don't get what you don't get. Why did we have to move? What was wrong with our old house? Don't be sassy. You know why we had to move. Do I? I can infer that it was financial, but beyond that, I have no idea what's going on. What's really going on? Was it too expensive? Did we make bad decisions with money? Do you have a gambling problem? An addiction to fur coats? Just tell me. Your father lost his job. What? You can't tell your brother. Why not? You don't think he deserves to know? He's just as upset as I am. And Dad lost his job? When? He's been going to work. September. Since then, he's been pretending to go to work, but going out to look for jobs instead. It's the end of the year and no one's hiring, so we had to sell our house, and now you see why I really cannot be late to work. You just can't not tell us like that. What if he doesn't get a job? That's a what if. I can't control a what if. I'm concentrating on what we can control so we don't go crazy. Your father can't control whether or not he gets a job, but he can control that he goes out every day until he gets one. I can't control the fact that we could use more money, but I can get you and your brother to school on time, feed you, keep you in a still pretty nice house. I thought I could control what time I get to work today, but obviously... Being you should just stop trying to control so much. I'm coming around to let you out unless you open the door yourself. Fine, but just, we should talk about this. Tonight, you and Dad should tell Michael. He's really upset. We'll think about it. Have a good day. Either you tell him or I will. Love you. I'll see you here at 2.45. Don't be late. Bye. Hello, my name's Tiff Baker. I know I'm three minutes late, but it's my first day of school. Can you just tell me where the uh, 11th grade is? <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't really know what's going on. Okay, we just heard Tiff, an 11th grader, so she's probably around 16, 17 years old, mm -hmm. asking her mom about why she has to go to a new school in the middle of the, of the school year. We learned along with Tiff that her father lost her job, and as a result, they had to move to a new house and a new school. Doctor, why would her parents keep this important information to themselves and not be open to letting them know. And now 
first day of school, kind of just throw all that information on her and just just go ahead and yeah. what's going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do think some families are more closed. Mm-hmm. You know, their communications are just more, maybe more rigid and more closed. In each family, we've got different dynamics and mm-hmm. there's some written rules and some unwritten rules. And in this sense, we get the sense that, yes, this family is more closed in terms of communication. For whatever reason, they've decided not to disclose that. Mm-hmm. What are the fears that have kept the parents from speaking forth about it? Was it shame that mm-hmm. the dad is not going to work? You know, you wonder why, what was the fear underlying it? Now, when you heard the skit, I was wondering who was the parent because while the mom was talking about control at the <laughs> mm-hmm. end, yeah. the daughter was like, well, you need to tell and you need to speak forth and you, you know, and yeah. it sounded a little bit parental. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so they, they got into a spat about control and it did feel like both of them were trying to control the conversation yes. and undermine it ironically. I think a good rule of thumb for us as parents is to consider what's holding us back. What is the fear? And are we feeding more into that fear than what is necessarily the case? Mm-hmm. You know, is it just us making up a story in our head? Our mm-hmm. kids are going to overreact. And then later the situation gets even greater and more complicated. And it might not even be that bad Bad if we just take the time and open up. That, that's a possibility. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Right. Yeah. And I just want to piggyback on what you just uh, mentioned, Dr. Alicia, and I want to pitch this question out to uh, Dr. Cheryl. Obviously, as parents, we try to be as protective of our children's feelings and, you know, they have enough mm-hmm. stress going on in school and, you know, they're they're evolving as human beings and all that. Sometimes some parents go through adversity, whatever may be the case, and we don't want to have our situation burden our kids. So how critical is it to talk to our kids truthfully always about important stuff and important changes in our lives? So I thought this skit did a really good job of touching on a couple of the key points on good habits in terms of breaking bad news to kids. Mm -hmm. One of the things is you do want to be open and honest and depending on the age of your child, you want to be as clear and concrete as possible. So obviously for a younger child, you just say something like, Daddy lost his job and we have to move. But in adolescent, you say, you know, there's more nuance there because there, they're not going to be good enough with that. So you can still mm-hmm. say, unfortunately, daddy has lost his job and we have to move. And what that means for you is, and then you kind of go into more of that. We're going to have to move and we're going to be in a new district. I know that means a new high school, a new friends. And then you kind of start that conversation for them. So there's a couple of things that this get hit on, which was using clear and concise wording, not avoiding the topic, which was something the mom was doing. She just wanted to kind of hurry on and move on with life. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you break bad news to kids, there's the initial break to them. And then there can be weeks and months afterwards of them processing and thinking about it. And they typically tend to ask questions or bring up the subject at pretty inconvenient times when you don't see it going, when you're running out of the house, you got to get your first day of work maybe. So it did a really good job of highlighting how kids tend to do that. It also did a really good job of talking about being mindful of the setting. So when you're talking to kids, whether you're breaking the news or you're revisiting the conversation, the setting can be very important in terms of it should be a quiet space and a safe place. And maybe, you know, you've got the time, which obviously this wasn't the greatest setting in this skit. But mm-hmm. ideally, you you have that kind of situation where you say we've got time and it's uninterrupted so we can really talk about whatever this bad news is. Great. Now, we already talked about being truthful and finding the right space. Now, if we... All of our kids 
are going to be different, right? So we have different aged kids. We kind of know or, or think ahead what can create some type of anxiety. How can we parents prepare to give them the resources or the tools they will need so that they can feel at ease with the change, Dr. Laos? Yeah, I, again, I think concretely thinking about, you know, elementary kids, the more concrete we are, the better adolescents, more information. What Dr. Siegler said at the very beginning, how we cope with it ourselves mm-hmm. is really important because at the end of the day, we're a mirror, right? And yes. kids just, you know, monkey see, monkey do. So what are we doing to cope with the changes? Because we're impacted by it. Good stress, bad stress, it impacts us and how we manage our time and how mm-hmm. we cope is important. One thing that we do as a family is we go on hikes and we find that that's just a good stress reliever. Mm-hmm breathing the oxygen of the trees and getting some sun, but it forces us off. There's no, you know, electronics and you're out there walking for an hour or two and all of a sudden we start talking. So it's just a way for us all to cope with and just process things whenever we need to, you know, we habituated ourselves into doing that. So that's something that is our family, little kids as well. They're little, have gotten into the habit and then we can process and talk about whatever decisions as a family we're going to push forth. It's a great opportunity. So I think as family, we can create some habits that are like Mm -hmm. that. That might be for us. That might not be for everyone. for everyone, maybe you as a mom can have donut dates with your daughter or something. Mm. I yeah. don't know. Sounds yummy. Um, <laughs> and, you, and you schedule that once a month or something. And then you are into that habit. And so when decisions and stress happens, because it will be, then you already have a form that's already tucked in in your, in your routine of life. So I wonder if we can, as parents, create habits that would allow for us to nurture that relationship and then encourage that conversation to happen. And if we have that already inscribed, if you will, Mm -hmm. in our routine, it makes it easier because we all know stuff is going to happen. Whatever it might happen, it will happen. Something will happen that will be stressful. So we might as well just create habits that are a cultivate opportunity for us to have conversations and to cope with circumstances ahead of the game. Love it. Thank you. Cultivate habits. I like that. Great advice. So we're going to go ahead and proceed over to our last sketch. This is called Inside the Cocoon. Hey, Charlie, buddy. You already up? Yeah, I'm waiting for this butterfly to break out of his cocoon. It's been so long. Today has to be the day, don't you think? I don't know. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Google said it would be two weeks, but it's been almost three. So I figure it's any second now. I mean, look at all the leaf he ate. I'm not so sure... Never mind. <laughs> what do I know, right? You want breakfast? Yeah, but I can come down after he hatches. I'd bring him with me, but I'm not supposed to move him. <sighs> Charlie, I don't think he's going to come out. You know? You mean he died? Charlie, here. You come have a seat. But how do you know he died? What if he's still growing? He might be. Charlie, but you know, he's been in there just a little bit too long. You remember how we read that the caterpillar doesn't actually grow wings inside the cocoon, but he transforms into another state? Into jelly? Yes, and from the jelly, he grows into a completely new thing. Now, I think, Charlie, the thing about this butterfly, he never really was a butterfly. If he never came out of his cocoon, he was a caterpillar that lived a very full, fun, caterpillar life. He lived in a tree, he was fuzzy and friendly, and then he met you. 
and you gave him nice leaves to eat, and then he went into his cocoon, which every caterpillar does eventually. There's no way around that. They get big enough. They just have to. Okay. And it doesn't make as much sense to mourn the butterfly that never was as much as to celebrate the caterpillar that we knew, right? I just wanted to see him was all. Oh, and I'm sure he would have loved to see you. And it's all right, of course, if you want to be sad. But if your brain is telling you that all you did was lose something, then you're missing the whole half of the other picture, right? Yeah. I'm sorry, Charlie. I know you wanted to see what he would become. You want me to take the jar? No. Just leave it a little bit. You want to come down with me and make breakfast? Okay. I just need to scrape my shoes if I'm going to go outside. Oh. That was such a feel-good story after all. We heard a nine-year-old Charlie waiting impatiently for his butterfly to finally break out of the cocoon, but nothing happened at that moment. Mm -hmm. Dad obviously intervened, thinking it was the end of the road for the caterpillar, took the time to explain to his son that it's better to remember and celebrate the life of the caterpillar and not to focus on what it could have been. Fortunately, there's a wonderful ending with the butterfly finally emerging from the cocoon, how did Dad manage the situation, Dr. Alicia? How beautiful it is to take the opportunities with butterflies or, you know, the dead bird or, mm-hmm. or what have you mm-hmm. to talk about death with our kids yes. and um, break that to them and have those kinds of conversations. So I think to the extent that, you know, the dead fish, what have you, comes across, it's an opportunity for us to have those conversations. So let's not run away from it, but face it. Of course. It. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And that was actually going to be part of my next question to Dr. Siegler. Death is something that we, that all humans have a hard time dealing with, or most of us. But how can we explain death to our kids? How do we prepare? How do we talk to them prior to the moment when it finally happens? Just like uh, Dr. Laos was saying with, with animals, or how important is it that we start talking about death so it's not such a big impact once it hits the family? Dr. Siegler. Yeah, I say that parents who have, you know, even toddlers, you can start talking about death pretty easily when you go outside and you see a worm that is no longer living on the sidewalk or, Mm -hmm. you know, you see a dead bird or a dead animal on the road. It's often easier to start in that context. Parents sometimes, which I've even heard myself, will say, oh, they're just sleeping. That's a really common Uh kind of way to kind of skirt the issue with kids. And so what I really like to encourage is just start it really early when they start noticing things like that and say, yeah, you know, that squirrel in the road has died, probably got hit by a car, and it's no longer living. And you can say those things, so I'm being really concrete, it died, it's no longer living, versus saying things like it's sleeping, And that way they start understanding the life cycle pretty early. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the first step. That's regardless of whatever your religious or spiritual beliefs are. Those are kind of really fact-based, concrete ways to start Mm -hmm. really early. And then as they get older and parents are, are more certain about whatever their beliefs are, you want to start instilling that. So it's almost like what you were talking about with your miscarriage. Yes. You relied on your faith to get you through. You had a way that you really believe in, that makes sense to you, that brought you comfort, mm-hmm. that you were able to share onto your daughter. And so if people have that, that is a natural time to rely on those kinds of beliefs 
it certainly brings us comfort to think that, you know, there's a heaven or people turn into angels, things like that. Mm -hmm. But for people who don't have that, I think those are the parents who often struggle most. So they do want to think ahead of time. What are their beliefs? Do do they believe in the afterlife? Do they believe in reincarnation? Do Mm -hmm. they believe in soul groups? You want to have a good sense of that even as early as when you're pregnant, because it will be an ongoing issue throughout parenthood as you're raising your kids. Yes, most definitely. Great point. I'll bring this up. A beautiful movie that just came out not too long ago, the Coco movie. I know that was a beautiful way to talk to my kids. I have a 14-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 5-year-old. The little ones loved the movie, and now they were talking to us. It's about death. Mm -hmm. So it's about when you cross over Mm -hmm. to the world of the dead. And now they're like, well, they crossed over, Mom. Their grandmother passed away this summer. And they're like, well, Grandma, did she go down that path? Is that how she we should do an altar as well, you know? So that was an opportunity for us to talk to her them about death, about how we celebrate life. Because, again, just like you said, Dr. Sigler, the beliefs that we have, right? How we believe that we will once again meet in the afterlife. So great ways. An Thank example you. example in terms of using movies, right? Yes. And stories to be able to... Because kids can really relate to stories. And, That's right. And also has the cultural component as well. Yeah. Right, for sure. I want to ask uh, Dr. Alicia, uh, right before we close up, but what should parents consider when breaking bad news to kids, considering age, emotional states, and, of course, maturity levels? Yeah, I think the first is do a check, self-check-in, because our own anxiety can sometimes get in the way if we don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. So just name what you're feeling inside, take a moment, see it, put it out there so that you can know that that's part of that and then being able to utilize that sometimes and being able to say, you know, I'm upset about this as well and being able to bring that up when you're speaking to your kids. That's very helpful. Certainly the age of the child and the situation, how much time you have. um, Is it tomorrow? Is it today that the circumstance requires a response? The longer you delay it, then you are putting yourself in a circumstance of being rushed and mm-hmm. like the skit that we saw where you're in the car and, and it might not be the optimal circumstance. So if you do have time, you know, if you've got that luxury of time, then go ahead and utilize it. Right. But with due measure, you don't want to do that with months and months ahead and then create more and more anxiety for everybody involved because the kids, depending on their age, their sense of time, you know, they you know, it's like, I don't know if it's ever happened to you where you're like, you have a vacation and you tell your kids way too early. And they want to yeah. go tomorrow. <laughs> they think it's just tomorrow. So they're packing bags. And so depending on the, the kid's age, you want to think about that as well. Sounds good. Thank you. Well, thank you both for sharing your expertise with us today. Dr. Cheryl, I know you just wrote a blog. You have a series of blogs and you had change as one of your subjects. Tell us where we can read it and where we can learn more about you and your services. Absolutely. You can read my newsletters at Dr. Cheryl. Ziegler.com. And I'm also the author of a book that just came out, which is Mommy Burnout, which kind of covers all of these topics Mm -hmm. in the things that cause us stress as moms. Awesome. We will have you back for that as well. Mommy Burnout. (laughs) Mommy Burnout sounds... I know a couple of mommies that would like to read that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm there. (laughs) For sure. Now, Dr. Alicia, what tips do you have for today's Keeping It Real parents? And of course, a segment on Breaking Bad News. Well, we have to break it. We can't avoid it. Break mm-hmm. it down. <laughs> yes. um, you know, you might want to put some cake to sugar it, but at the end of the day, <laughs> you still have to break it. Recognize your emotions, recognize the developmental age of your children, and speak to them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Thank you so much for that. Well, that's it for today's episode of The Struggle is Real. More resources, as always, are available at FamilyBridgesUSA.org. Follow us on social media for the latest on The Struggle is Real with the hashtag The Struggle is Real or hashtag TSIR. Thank you so much for listening. I am Omar Ramos. Dr. Alicia Laos. And I'm Veronica Avila. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.